And you shall slaughter, slaughter the bull before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of the meeting. And you shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And you shall pour out all the blood at the base of the altar. You shall take all of the fat that covers the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and offer them up in smoke on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its hide and its refuge you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. And you shall also take one ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall slaughter the ram, and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces and wash its entrails and its legs and put them in its pieces and its head. And you shall offer up and smoke the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a soothing aroma and offering by fire to the Lord. Now notice the two things are happening here. God is consecrating, they're consecrating the priest and his lineage and the altar and all that goes with it. Which means simply because something is new doesn't automatically make it the Lord's. Just because it is something never used before for anything else. God's saying, you need to treat these as holy. In order to be holy, there must be sacrifices that are done. There's a significant portion that is said twice, and it's going to say one more time, and I'll wait to that third before I mention that. Verse 19. Then you shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall slaughter the ram and take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the lobes of his son's right ears and on the thumbs on their right hands and on their big toe of their right foot, feet and sprinkle the rest of the blood around the altar. Then you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and on his son's garments with him so that he and his garments shall be consecrated, as well as his sons and his sons' garments with him. Now, we no longer believe in animal sacrifice, because Jesus was our Passover lamb, that he was sacrificed for us. But there is a 0.001% that I wish we still sacrifice animals. Now, all of a sudden, people who are for the ethical treatment of animals are going to want to... I said 0.001, and this is why. All too often, when it comes to our daily lives with the Lord, we kind of like the children who determine that it is easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. That God is such a loving God and He's such a merciful God that He'll just forgive us. And even when we go out and do something intentionally, well, our God is a merciful God after all. You know, with such a friend I have in Jesus. He'll forgive me. And we then kind of cheapen that. But notice what happens here in this consecration and in offerings otherwise. They place their hands upon the animal to be slaughtered. They, in essence, identify and say all the, the sin and all the, the lack of holiness and all the lack of cleanliness that is on me, I place my hands upon it. 
And I identify with it, and then it is killed in my place. And when we come to understand that there is a price to be paid for sin, maybe we wouldn't be quite as cavalier about it. But this is a part not just of making somebody, if you will, righteous again. This is now a part of the consecration. This is a part of what makes them holy. These sacrifices. And I wish that we, when we wear our crosses, and when we talk about Jesus' sacrifice, that we much more identified with Him. That we've placed our hands, in essence, understanding that all my unrighteousness, all my sin, and all my unholiness was placed upon Him that I might become righteous, that I might become holy, that I might become cleansed. And when we identified with the cost maybe we wouldn't be as cavalier about our actions as we are. Now notice it also says that they're to take this blood that they run around and they put it on the right lobe and on the right thumb and on the right toe. We're not told why, so it'll be speculation, so I'll speculate. My hearing is made holy so that I might hear the word of the Lord. My thumb is made holy so that my hands might be holy so that what I do is for the Lord. And when my toe is placed with the blood that where I go is for the Lord. That I am holy in all that I am what I hear, what I touch, where I go because I am the Lord's. And the difference is, we say, well, isn't this interesting as far as the priests go? Well, way back in the beginning of this whole thing about God being with us, He has called out His people saying, I want you to be a holy people, a royal priesthood, a people after my own possession. He has said that in Exodus. He will say it again in other passages. Peter tells us about it. Revelation tells us about it. That's not God's plan and then, oops, it didn't work out. It's God's plan and it's what God is doing. And in essence, God has called us to be a royal priesthood. And God has called us to be consecrated for Him. And while we may not put the, the blood on our ear and on our thumb and on our toe, the blood of Christ covers us from all unrighteousness. And we need to understand just how significant that is. You shall also take the fat from the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and the right for, the, for its lamb, ram of ordination. And you take one cake of bread and one cake of mixed bread mixed with oil and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread which is set before the Lord. And you shall put all of these in the hands of Aaron in the hands of his son, and they shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. And you shall take them from their hands and offer them in smoke on the altar of the burnt offering for a soothing aroma before the Lord. 
It is an offering by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the breast of Aaron's ram of ordination and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering with the thigh of the heave offering, which was a wave and which was offered from the ram of ordination, from one of which was for Aaron and from one for which were for his sons. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons as their portion before forever from the sons of Israel. For it is a heave offering, and it shall be a heave offering from the sons of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, even their heave offerings to the Lord. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him, that is, that in them they may be anointed and ordained. For seven days the one of his sons, who is the priest in his stead, shall put them on, and when he enters the tent of the meeting to minister in the holy place. There is a symbolism to this whole thing. We're to take these sacrifices. We're to place the blood to understand. We're also to wave them before God, to acknowledge that the offering is to God. It is God who is being sacrificed to. It is God who is being acknowledged in this calling. And it is something that just doesn't happen one afternoon, but there is seven days that this is to take place. And everything is to be covered through this, through the wave offering, the heave offering, through the placing of the blood on the body and on the property, on the person, on the clothing, and on the altar. He then says that there are certain things that from this offering that the priests eat. And I'm not going to read that. You can read that. But in essence, there's certain portions of the offering that Aaron and his sons are to eat. And if there isn't, if, if there's too much of the food for them to have eaten, they're to burn the rest of it. Um, and then he also talks about that there's a sacrifice that is to take place um, further. But then I want to skip to uh, number... Uh, verse 42. It shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the doorway of the tent of the meeting before the Lord. Well, I will meet with you to speak to you there. I will meet there with the sons of Israel and it shall be consecrated. And if you just skip this, you miss the main teaching. By my glory. You see, we see these various things and we see the sacrifices and we see all that and we, we will start to think that what consecrates this place, these people, these things, this clothing are the acts of the sacrifice. And it's not. It's God's glory that consecrates the things. It is God's glory that consecrates you. And the thing that I want you to understand is it's not what you sacrifice, but to whom you sacrifice. It is He that glorifies you. And I want you also to understand that though Aaron was a priest, that didn't of itself make him holy. Well, how does that apply today? 
All too often people think because you're the pastor, you're the holy guy. And they ask the pastor to pray to God, not because they want more people to pray, but they think the pastor's the holy guy and he's got in more connection with God than you do. Well, I want you to understand, I'm not a holy guy because I'm the pastor. If I am a holy guy, it is because God's glory has been placed upon me. It is not my office, it is God. And it is not the fact that you're His child that brings glory. It is His glory. It's not who you are. It's what He is and what He has done. So all too often we think, well, I've, I've gone to church and I went to Sunday school and I did this and I did that. Therefore, God should be impressed. Again, it's not what you do. But the consecration is by His glory. And I will consecrate the tent of the meeting and the altar. And I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priests to me. And I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. You follow my commands and I will do what I say I'm going to do. And I will consecrate because you are obedient to me. And so today we don't sacrifice animals. And again, that's a good thing because it's pretty messy. But the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And we should not use it as an excuse to continue to sin, but as an understanding that He has called us to be holy as He is holy. It has called us to go before and be His ministers and His priests that we might inform people of the Word of God. That we might, even though a drop of blood has been placed on our ear, that we hear the Word of God. That we are cleansed by the Word of God. That when we do things, we do it for God. When we go places that are before God. Because He has called us to be ministers and to be priests. Not just me standing up here talking, but all of us. To be ministers as we shared before. The ministry of reconciliation. So the opportunity to share the mercy of God to others. As I said, and I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Now this is an awesome statement. We're doing these things and we're having the priests and we're having the tabernacle, all this, that the world might know and we might know that He's our God. But you know what? Even though there isn't a tabernacle, even a temple today, there is one. It is called you, and it is called me. That the Spirit of God dwells within us. That we are the temple of God. That we are the tabernacle of God. That we are the dwelling place of God. And that place ought to be consecrated for Him. And that His glory might be manifest in our lives.
I used to think a temple was just a place where you, the God would dwell and all that was wonderful. And we kind of get that idea. I've had the privilege of going to Corinth. I've had the privilege of going to Athens. Places that have significant temples. The, the main temple uh, at Corinth is gone. It was up on a hill. They had another one. But the one in Athens, the Parthenon, well known. It is on the highest mount in Athens. The whole purpose of having it there is that when people in Athens said, who's your God? You say, there. My God dwells there. And our city is dedicated to that God. It was evident to everyone who came anywhere near Athens or Corinth. You see, we are the temple of God, not just that God dwells in us, but we should be that temple, that tabernacle on a hill that, that shouts out, I am the temple of the living God. Everyone who passes by should be evident and knowing that I am the God of Isaac. That my God is the God of Jacob. That my God is the God of Abraham. That my God is the God of Joe Davis. That our declaration should be not just He's hidden somewhere in here. But that it is evident that he's not just hidden here, but that his glory is upon us. That I might dwell among them, I am the Lord their God. And he has promised not only to dwell among us, but to dwell in us, to never leave us nor forsake us, to always be there. What a God that we have. Now, it probably would not come to a shock if we were to admit all too often we have sinned intentionally. But He still loves us and forgives us. The thing that we have going for us that that Aaron and the people of God at that time did not. This had to be done daily. The offerings had to be done. The sacrifices had to be made because guess what? You and I are constant sinners. And the price of that sin is significant. And they would place their hands on the head of those animals. How do you think you and I would act in relation to sin if we were there when Jesus died on the cross and we placed our hands not on his head but on his feet and said, I'm responsible. These are my sins. 
the wounds, the blood coming from the crown of your head is because of me. The wounds and the blood coming from your hands and your feet are because of me. I pierced your side. Would we be as cavalier? And the awesome thing about our God is even if we were those who not only needed the sacrifice, for the ones who pounded the nails into the hands and the feet. His response was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And those same words apply to you and me. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But wouldn't it be awesome if we came to the conclusion that God has consecrated us that God has set us to be holy, that God has called you and me to be his representatives in this world so that people might know of the good news, that people might know of just how much God loves them. And that as a part of that, we come and worship him Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Because my God is worthy of it.